From an undisclosed location high in the Hollywood Hills, it's time once again for the long shot come hell or high water. Tonight's episode, when the whiskey was gone, the show was over. And now, please welcome the host of the long shot The summer after I got out of college, and I say got out of because I did not graduate, I went to summer school at Iona College in my hometown of New Rochelle. And yes, there were stories from when I was a child of people saying, I own a college, and someone else responding, you own a what, in full sincerity. Uh, That did actually happen. Sort of a who's on first type situation. Um, But one of my classmates in this summer school program was a road manager for Shane McGowan and the Pogues or worked for them in some capacity. I think she was a road manager uh, or maybe she was she was with them on the road. And she explained to the rest of us that the way Shane would do shows was he would go on stage with a bottle of whiskey, he would start drinking the whiskey, and when the whiskey was gone, the show was over. That was how he timed his his shows. So I am going to do that for this episode, not with a bottle of whiskey, but with a... My favorite drink from Starbucks, a Grande Black Eye, which is a coffee with two shots of espresso in it. That'll wake you up. Good desk. Welcome to The Long Shot. I am your host. My name is Sean Conroy. Tonight, I am alone. In this pursuit. Joe is out of town. Amber is out of contact. And Jamie is just out of it. (laughs) Zing. Um, But in the interests of continuity and and consistency, I'm still going to record an episode. Now, I am aware that we have heard from people, and I want to make this clear, uh, there has been some muttering, I shouldn't even say some people, I don't know how many people it is, Um, but I always feel like if it's one person, it's like a cockroach, you know? If you see one, that means there's more in the walls. Uh, that we should start having guests again. We should have guests on the show. We need guests. You know, whoever's saying that obviously is tired of hearing from Amber and myself and is more interested in hearing from other people. And I get it. I get it. Uh, because not having not having Jamie and Joe here uh, lessens the chances of the ability that 
I have or that Amber has to call people out on absurd statements, ignorant statements, or general silliness. Um, Joe and Jamie have a, a marked proclivity to say things at times that are uh, disputable. And when it's just Amber and myself, chances are lessened, not 100%, but lessened that that's going to happen. And that's sort of an integral part of the show. It's always been an integral part of the show of like, wait, what did you say? What are you talking about? You're making no sense. And that's much more difficult when it's just Amber and myself because Amber is far less likely than the rest of us to say anything that is absurd or that doesn't make sense. And I am far less likely than the rest of us to say anything. Well, I guess that's not true. I say extremely absurd things all the time. It's just that Amber is a much more accepting person than I am a lot of the time. So she lets things slide. So that element of conflict perhaps at times is missing in a way that it used to be present when other people were here. And of course, we haven't had guests in years. uh, Just because when you're doing a show for going on 11, starting our 12th year of doing the show, the show tends to evolve. And, you know, early on, we had a producer who was really into his duties uh, and was responsible for booking guests. Um, I guess he wasn't that into his duties. Jamie was never that into the producing side of producing. But he did do a good job at times of getting other people to come on the show. But then that kind of became less of a thing and seemed less important. And also we talked about it and sometimes enjoyed just talking to each other more, you know? Uh, So anyway, I don't know that we will book guests. I don't know when or if Joe or Jamie will be back. I don't know how many more of these I will do by myself. Um, But hopefully Amber will be back so that at least be the two of us. And I will say... Just as there is a cockroach coming out of the wall and going, you guys should have guests. There's also a cockroach coming out in our defense and saying, no, 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 don't. Um, And I use the word cockroach as a term of endearment or because it's a metaphor. I don't know. I'm not saying people are cockroaches. That would be obnoxious. And I don't mean it as as, as a slight just in the sense that cockroaches are indicative of other cockroaches. But the point is there are people saying, no, 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 we don't want guests. We're okay with things the way they are. And ultimately, I always come back to, unfortunately, it's it's our show. So tonight, it's just me drinking my Grande Black Eye and getting through... The entire black guy, the way that Shane McGowan would go through an entire bottle of whiskey. And by the way, that probably was not a good idea for him, because I don't know if you saw some of the the footage of him later on, but he was not he was not thriving. Incredibly talented. 
but he seemed to be uh, he seemed to have a couple of screw loose screw screws loose loose screws loose hi folks we're loose screws welcome to our show can we have a suggestion of a profession an accent and a time of day it's an old improv form uh, so anyway I get where people are coming from on both sides of that disagreement it's not going to change anything, but just know that I understand. And like I said, who knows? Joe and Jamie may come back, and then everything will be back to normal. So as we discussed last week, uh, or last episode, this week was my birthday, which uh, I did not particularly celebrate on the day I got some calls I spoke to some people um, but I had class that night so I couldn't really do anything and haven't been doing anything anyway it was just weird I did go out at the end of the night and went to the local ice cream factory or whatever it's called and got some really delicious delicious uh, brownie chip or something peanut butter brownie chip it was very good um and it was this weird thing where the guy behind the counter was like let me know if you want to try any of them and i was like can i try the peanut butter brownie chip and i did and i guess i should have exploited that and tried a bunch of them like that's what you're supposed to do they want you to do that right but i felt guilty i was like i gotta i gotta get the one i tried i gotta go with i mean it is good i want to try some of the other ones but not necessarily, you know, I'm not into the rose hip ice cream, but maybe the mint chip or something. So anyway, I got that ice cream and then he was like, he goes, do you want any toppings? And they have, you know, they have a million toppings. He goes, do you want any toppings? I said, no. And he goes, they're free today. And I felt again, like I had locked myself into the decision of not getting toppings. I couldn't then turn around and say, Oh, they're free? Give me all of them. Um, so I did not get any toppings. It just was... It was fine. It wasn't the best birthday I've ever had. It's hard to remember birthdays, I think. Uh, like, if you think about it, how many of them really stand... Like, they're such a big deal, but then how many of them really stand out in your mind, ultimately? Um, I mean, I can think of... well. My my eighth birthday stands out in my mind only because I was I was not allowed to celebrate it that year, uh, not because we became Jehovah's Witnesses or anything, but just because I had done something and gotten in trouble, and that was my punishment was that I would not get a birthday that year, and I still still smarts still smarts uh, many many years later, over twenty years later, my eighth birthday losing my eighth birthday still. Still smarts. Um, one of these years, maybe I will have my eighth birthday party, and that would be that would be fun. It would be, uh, you know, awkward conversations with a bunch of people I don't know. So it would just be like any other any other birthday. I remember my thirtieth birthday because that was the night of my UCB class level two performance. So I had just started taking classes with UCB. 
I had been working as an improviser, touring the country for four years at that point. Um, but UCB had come to town, and I really loved what they did and had just started learning how to do what they did. And uh, it was so... <laughs> I still remember we were at a place uh, on 17th Street between 5th and 6th called Solo Arts. It was up on the 5th floor of a walk-up. Or no, there was an elevator there, but the elevator... I think uh, rarely worked properly. So you had to walk up to the fifth floor. And uh, it was just very exciting to be doing this class performance. Um, and the teacher got up before the show. The teacher was a woman by the name of Amy Poehler and said, I still remember how, you know, shouting at the audience, All right, everybody, grab your cocks and drop your socks. It's time for. And like, it still had that it still had that feeling of like oh my god this is so exciting that we're doing this which has which has subsided um, over the years i wonder if if i ever get to improvise again i will uh, feel that excitement again i bet i will i bet i will it'll be super super exciting to being to be doing it on stage in front of people uh, like i said if that ever Whew. If that ever happens. And then we went to the Old Town Tavern. This was my 30th birthday. We went to the Old Town Tavern, uh, which was a bar on 6th Avenue. And that was fun because the the Old Town Tavern had a dumbwaiter in it. And if you don't know what a dumbwaiter is, you probably do. I'm guessing you know what a dumbwaiter is. But a dumbwaiter is like a almost like a tiny elevator that goes from one floor to the next. So it goes from the kitchen downstairs, upstairs to get food from the kitchen right up to the service stations upstairs. So they, they got me, the, 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 the woman I was dating at the time got me a slice of birthday cake and it came up in the dumbwaiter with a candle on it and the door of the dumbwaiter. I think the dumbwaiter is always operated... I could be wrong about this, but I think at least in this case, it was operated by a uh, rope. Like you had to pull the rope to get the thing to go up to the next floor. It wasn't like, it wasn't like an elevator where it was, uh, you know, hydraulic or electric or whatever elevators are, but, uh, the door of the dumbwaiter opened and there was a slice of cake with a candle in it and everybody sang happy birthday. So that's, uh, that was my 30th. That's, I mean, those are kind of the only ones I really remember. My 50th, I guess I remember because I headlined the improv, thanks to Jamie. Uh, and that was fun. Um, but other than that, like as big as they seem at the time, it doesn't seem like they're, they're imprinted in my, at least for me, in my memory. Uh, so, you know, we talked last week about how maybe I should have maybe I should have a party. And I did, I set up a whole thing for tomorrow afternoon, sent out invitations to people and so forth that I was going to have a cookout down by the pool in my building. And this was exciting because I was going to be able to see some people I haven't seen in a while and get a bunch of people to come over and just sort of, you know, do something that I haven't done in a year and a half. And I was excited about that until yesterday I found out that they're re-implementing 
the mask mandate here in Los Angeles County. They're not really implementing it until midnight on Saturday, but I feel like, you know, (laughs) who the fuck knows what's going on with that stuff. So I immediately emailed everybody and said, never mind, forget it. Don't come because I just want to make people uncomfortable. I'm sure that everybody who was coming was vaccinated and the mask mandate is not to protect vaccinated people, but here we are in this in this weird time, this weird state of confusion. And I did not want to make anybody uncomfortable. I don't know. I think it was the right decision. It is crazy. It is insane that Los Angeles County, the, the whole thing is crazy. The whole country is crazy right now that so many people are refusing to get vaccinated. There's so many things about it. It just doesn't make sense to me in the first place because whatever they say, 99.5% of the people that are hospitalized and that are dying are unvaccinated. Like that seems like proof to me. That vaccines work and not getting vaccinated doesn't work. But yet people are like, well, I heard that uh, the vaccine makes you sicker. I I haven't heard of anybody dying from the vaccine. Maybe you have. I have not. Um, I was thinking about... Whatever. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, what if I said to you... What if I said to you, look, we are going to play Russian roulette. You and I are going to play a game of Russian roulette. You know how that works. It's when you put one bullet in a gun that has six chambers. You spin the, you spin the, I don't know guns. I don't know what the things are called, but you've all seen it. Uh... You spin it and then you pull, you know, we all remember, uh, 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 what was the, what was the, uh, Vietnam movie with De Niro and Christopher Walken, um, the deer hunter where he becomes this incredibly good, lucky, uh, Russian roulette player and wins lots of money and loses his mind. Um, but here's the thing about the, the game of Russian roulette that you and I are going to play. I'm going to use two guns. Okay. Two Revolvers. I'm calling them revolvers because I'm assuming the fact that you can spin the thing that holds the bullets means that that thing revolves, and that's why they're called revolvers. I could be wrong about that, but who knows? Why This is not a... We're not sponsored by the NRA. It's okay for me to get those things wrong. So I'm going to use two guns. Each of them has six chambers for bullets. I'm going to use one bullet. I'm going to put one bullet in this gun and put it down on the table. And then I'm going to put this gun down on the table with no bullets in it. Okay, so you know which gun has no bullets and which gun has one bullet. We're going to play Russian roulette. And it's up to you. You get to decide which gun you use. Are you going to use the gun with no bullets 
or are you going to use the gun that you know has one bullet in it? You might still win with that gun. You might not shoot yourself in the head. But you might. You won't know until you pull the trigger. With the other gun, you know before you pull the trigger and you know after you pull the trigger. There's no bullets in that gun. You will not die from this game of Russian roulette. The other gun, you have a pretty good chance of living. But it's not 100%. It's definitely not 100%. It's le- It's like... Nine, nine, it, it's less than 100%. Um, so it's up to you which one, which gun you want to use. And half the people in this country right now would pick up the gun with the bullet in it and say... It's actually more dangerous to use the one without bullets. You you heard that? Why did you hear that? How, how, who told you that? Yeah, I read it on Facebook. Somebody said it's it's bad. It's you you could have a you could the way the air is ejected from the gun with no bullets can be dangerous, more dangerous than the bullet. Oh, I that seems impossible to me. It seems to me that forced air from a from a gun that's not loaded is not nearly as dangerous as a bullet no no that's what i heard that's what they're saying that's what they're saying who's they sources i trust it's fucking crazy and very frustrating and of course the other part of that that's so frustrating is that everybody keeps saying, please don't, don't mock these people. Don't make fun of them. Don't criticize them. Don't harshly, don't speak harshly to them because of their decision. Understand that they really believe this is the right decision. Have compassion for them. Feel for them. Let them feel the way they feel without being mocked for it understand them and then try to say well the fact is this really is that going to work and really i'm not supposed to go you fucking idiot why would you use that gun when you know this gun is empty you fucking moron the hell is wrong with you and that's not even a good analogy because the other part of that is that these people are putting other people at risk by not getting vaccinated. That they're not just risking their own lives, they are risking people who they come into contact with. It, it, it's very frustrating um, that this has become so politicized, that we're seeing so much politicization is the word I would use. Politicization of this decision. Politicization is one of those words that people are using all the time now and nobody can properly say it. Everybody's saying, watch, the next time you see somebody try to use the word politicization, they'll say politization. Politization, which is not the word. It's too hard for people to say politicization. 
So everybody's starting to say politicization. And of course, that means that within a few years, it will be acceptable. The word will become politicization. I don't understand how that works. Because so many people do it wrong, we have to adapt to them. Politization. Watch out for... Watch out for politization. You'll hear it all the time from the pundits. Pundits. You know those people who used to be called pundits that everybody now calls pundits? Because for some reason the word pundit is too difficult. And people say pundit. These motherfuckers. Anyway, the, of course, we all know this. The problem is that the longer this thing with COVID stays alive, the more likely it is to mutate and start causing difficulties for people that are vaccinated. I mean, that's not the only difficulty. It's killing people. It's literally killing people who are making bad decisions, but also people who are just affected by those people. People whose immune systems don't work as well. Um, It's, it's, and it's all fucking politicization, politicization. Um, I also love that all this stuff is coming out now that Everybody around Trump knew what a fucking maniac he was from the beginning. And nobody did it. He, he's an incredible guy. The fact that he was able to... It just it was clear to everybody. I mean, it was clear to, to me and probably to you from before the time he got elected that he was a maniac, that he was a psychopath, that he didn't care about anybody, that he would push his own family off a cliff to save his own life. Um, but it's now clear that everybody around him was very aware of that and incapable of acting on it in any way. Um, that that was just, yeah, it's how he is. He's like that. Let's bring, uh, let's bring Ivanka into the room to calm him down because he's so enraged all the time and out of control. Now, the other part of that is the story about Ivanka being brought into the room to calm him down is a story that came out from Ivanka, who is clearly doing the best she can to save her reputation. Good luck. Good luck. Um, but all these stories this week about, about Mark Milley and, and the coup and Milley comparing him to Hitler and whatever. And I mean, the one, the one that really has stuck out to me in, in kind of a crazy way is the whole story about Mike Pence. On January 6th, right, that Mike Pence is in the Capitol. He's trying to certif- do the ceremonial job that he's, he's, he can't, he can't not do this. Like, it's not like he can go, you know what? Eh, fuck it. Let's just keep Trump as president. He can't do that. And Trump is calling him a pussy for not doing that. So Pence is at the Capitol. The Capitol gets invaded by tourists who are just out for a stroll. Pence's uh, Pence's Secret Service men (laughs) say, 
we need to we need to get you out of here. You know, get in the car and let's go. And and Pence won't do it. And what what's so interesting about that is, you know, on the one hand, there's the aspect of the story that's like Pence felt that if he could not be seen, you know, his caravan of 20 cars could not be seen driving away from the Capitol because then the rioters would feel like they had won and they wouldn't be able to certify the election because he wouldn't be there anymore. So that's like one version of that story is that he doesn't want to get into the car because he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to be seen running away with his tail between his legs, which, you know, I, I, I get that. I buy that. But there's another version of that story, which is Pence did not want to get into that car. I guess there's one version where he said there's there's two other versions of the other version. One is he's talking to the head of his security detail and he goes, look, I trust you, but I'm afraid that if I tell the driver not to drive away, he's still going to drive away. So that's another version is that they just want him to get into this armored car and he won't do it because he's afraid that if he gets into the car, he won't have control of the car and the car will drive away. And then the second version of the second version is he doesn't know what these fucking people are capable of. These are the people responsible for his security and he's not sure if they're in on it with Trump and they're going to get him out of there so Trump can take over and stay president. Like, whoa, how far does that go? I mean, is there, I, I don't know this, but of course, if it was like a, if it was like a, a novel, there would be a part of, of Mike Pence that was going, are they going to take me somewhere and kill me and dump me on the side of the road? So that I can't certify this election? Crazy. So anyway, crazy week for news. And, you know, <laughs> these are just a few excerpts that came out from these books. The books are going to come out. There'll be more stuff in there. And shit like this, I mean, we've already talked about this, but shit like this is just going to keep coming out and keep coming out and keep coming out about what a lunatic this guy was the entire time he was in the White House. And he could win again. We'll see. It's entirely possible. I mean, the fact that the way, what's his name, Michael Wolf who is a bit of a nut job himself, it seems. Uh, but the way he makes it sound is that when the election was over and Biden was declared the winner, everybody in Trump's orbit was like, that's it. It's done. We're done. Trump is no longer the president, except for Rudy Giuliani was the only one who would tell Trump what he wanted to hear. And Trump would listen to him and they would get each other riled up. And then it started to spread again. And they all went along with it. And now look where the fuck we are. Fun. Fun, fun, fun. And also, it just cracks me up that Michael Wolf is just openly saying, like, yeah, Giuliani was just drunk all the time. He just he just was drunk. His life hasn't worked out the way he wanted it to. He thought he was going to be president and Trump would be helping him. 
And meanwhile, Trump is president and he's helping Trump. So he's just drunk all the time. And that's the guy who has kept Trump viable. And is working very hard to tear down democracy. I'm thinking of a great uh, Russian roulette scene just because I was talking about it so much. Um, there's, a, there's a scene in the movie The Way of the Gun, which I don't really remember the movie that well. I remember being excited to see it, but then like being not that excited about it after I saw it. But there is a great uh, Russian roulette scene in that movie where <laughs> there's a guy... Um, he, he's a he's just a hired you know bad guy, played by the great uh, Jeffrey Lewis, who you would definitely recognize him if you saw him. He's one of those guys who was in every TV show from starting in the I don't know when the probably the early seventies, maybe even the late sixties, early seventies. Through the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the aughts, and he he died a few years ago. But he was just in fucking everything, you know. Um, so you would definitely recognize him. And there's just a scene where he has a bunch of revolvers. I'm going to call them revolvers because I don't know what I'm talking about. He has revolvers on the table in front of him. And he has clearly loaded a bullet into each of the revolvers. <laughs> and he puts them all in a sack. He has like five or six of them. And he puts them all in a sack and he kind of spins the sack and reaches in and pulls out one of the revolvers. He's like, he's playing a bunch of rounds of Russian roulette with different guns. So once he uses one gun, he goes on to the next gun and he reaches in, he pulls out the first one, puts it to his head. And there's a funny detail in the movie where he puts his hand on the other side of his head, like, like, if he does shoot himself in the head, he's going to kind of try to keep it from going on the walls. Uh, that's just a fun... I, I love little little details like that. Like, the, he's being polite at the same time he's being completely insane. And uh, he pulls the gun out, puts it to his head, and the phone starts ringing. And it's just ringing and ringing. And he, and he kind of looks at the phone... But then he pulls the trigger on the gun and the gun doesn't, you know, the gun click. No, nothing, nothing happens. Phone's still ringing, reaches in, pulls out another gun, puts it to his head, puts his hand on the other side of his face because he don't want to get brains on the wall. Phone's still ringing. He looks at the phone. He, I don't know, probably squares his shoulders or something. But then finally he answers the phone and that gets us further into the movie. And that's just such a great little character moment for that character like this is a guy with nothing to lose um i don't know it's just a little little bits like that are some of my favorite things in movies where you go oh this is defining who this character is without without somebody going oh he's a yeah hey, be careful of this guy he's got nothing to lose you just see it you know that's uh Christopher McQuarrie wrote that movie, I think. Uh, the guy who wrote Usual Suspects. And directed a bunch of the... Uh, I think he directed that. He's directed a bunch of the Mission Impossible movies, too. Um, 
Anyway, Russian roulette. Well, I'm getting to the bottom of this coffee. And uh, if anybody's still listening, good for you. Thanks for hanging in. Um, we did find out this afternoon that Bismarcky died at the age of 57, which is young, very young. I guess it was complications from diabetes. Um, and I have such specific memories. I mean, I was talking about how I got out of, I got out of college and it was the following year that I both. So June after that, I started doing improv and September after that, I started teaching my first year of teaching. And that was 1989. Um, and that was the year that biz had his, his big hit, right? Um, what was it called? Uh, just a friend. I was going to say, you got what I need, but I knew that wasn't the name of it. But he had his big hit, Just a Friend, in 89. And I, like I said, I was teaching in a school. The school was out of control to begin with. And I was not a good teacher. I was not a teacher. I was just a person who kind of walked in off the street and was trying to get things done. Had no idea what I was doing. So I had no control over my classes. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get them to focus or pay attention. I would be in class and kids would just be, they would just be doing whatever the fuck they wanted to while I was trying to teach the class. I was trying to teach junior high school math. That was my first year of teaching was, was math. And anyway, because of the way that the beat on that song was, and because of the desks that these kids had, they could replicate the beat of just a friend with, uh, let me see if I can, the desks were those ones with like the metal on the bottom and then the sort of fake wood top that opens up. So there's like a hollow space in the middle. So they're basically built like drums and you can get a certain sound from the metal at the bottom and a different sound from the whatever it was. It's not wood. I guess it's plastic, but fake wood top of the desk. So every once in a while, every once in a while, while I was teaching math, some kid would just start the beat from that song and the whole class would join in and sing the chorus, you got what I need. You say she's just a friend. Uh, and it just was, you know, as a teacher, as a, as a whatever I was, 22-year-old teacher, I was frustrated and felt like, you know, what the fuck? Why won't these kids pay attention to me? Why won't they listen to me? But as a human being, it was pretty beautiful to see 38th graders singing that song together while one kid, you know, played the, played the drums. You guys know the beat I'm talking about. Go listen to it. 
Bismarcky. Rest in peace. This has been The Long Shot. We'll see you next time.